Okay, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. A lot of good sports on tonight. Vibes are high. I actually just got done playing a really good level of pickleball down here in the APL. For those who don't know, it's the Arena Pickleball League in Cape Girardeau, created by yours truly. Um, really good level out there. God, I love pickleball. I highly encourage you to go out and and play at your local park or whatever. I mean, that's what we've been doing on here, and we love it. But we got NHL playoffs, got the NBA playoffs, but we're talking about the draft, the 2023 NFL draft wrap-up show. We've done some previous uh, shows about what teams' statuses are at this point of the year, and we had the pre-draft show. So we figured we'd wrap it up for the folks. Probably not going to be the craziest long episode. Probably a lot of Chiefs talk, but we're going to get into – of the bulk of the draft and speaking of the draft as always this is the football podcast we got one of the crew on here tonight we got johnny Rowe, blaine wheeler getting ready for his big big day saturday we know that he is for the crew but he has wedding um activities happy wife happy life i'm not married um so that's what i've heard Let's turn it over to Johnny. Johnny, maybe a quick story or two about when you had your wedding and the week leading up to it, then how you doing and uh, all that jazz. Hey, what's up, Chandler? Uh, we're going to miss Blaine tonight, but yeah, th- this is a big week. Um, I will be married next weekend, so uh, May 11th. It'll be four years married to my wife, Emily. Wow. It actually is super awesome. Um, for those wow. who haven't been married, you know, one of the big things that Blaine – uh, and Jessica are going to have to be doing right now is uh, stressing about, you know, not only like being the center of attention all day, but throwing a party for like 200, maybe more. I don't know how many people are coming to their wedding. But, I mean, you're throwing a big party for a lot of people. And um, <clears throat> it's it's a big deal. I remember uh, I got pretty drunk on my wedding. It was so fun. Right, uh, I was so. super nervous, super nervous up until the start of the ceremony. It's a Catholic wedding. So uh, the Catholic mass made it a, a little over an hour, about an hour and 15 minutes. So a longer wedding. Um, and I cried for like the first 20 minutes up on the altar in front of everybody. I didn't even realize I was just a, a mess. But, you know, full disclosure, uh, my, my wife and I were high school sweethearts, met each other when we were 14 uh, and then got married. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty cool love story. But then hit the party bus afterwards, had a bunch of drinks. It's actually uh, that was the last time I had a real cigarette was the mm. was the night of my wedding. So uh, needless to say, uh, it was a great time, and and hopefully Blaine and, and Jessica have a great time on on Saturday. You will be in attendance. Unfortunately, I did get the invite, but I will not be able to be there. I am a groomsman in a wedding uh, here in Springfield, Missouri. So we wish all the best to Blaine um, and Chandler. There's a lot to talk about here. Uh, you know, I'm glad we're going to have kind of a Chiefs-heavy focus here. We have been focusing league-wide uh, in terms of the NFL lately, and we'll focus on the league-wide here at the beginning, but we'll close heavy Chiefs. There's some news that just dropped uh, about an hour ago that we'll get into, some interesting selections uh, in the draft. And the Chiefs roster-wise are in a position that they haven't been, I believe, in, in a long time in, in terms of depth. And the training camp battles that we're going to get into later, uh, some months down the road, are going to be fantastic to talk about. Pumped for the episode, brother. Yeah, man, let's get right into it. Um, we're going to start out, we'll start, hit. we'll hit the top 10 picks here. So we'll start Carolina. Obviously, it was no doubt that they were going to go Bryce Young. Um, I think they made the right move. Obviously, um, you can go back and forth on who you thought should they should pick, but they landed on Young. The Panthers went with it. 
They walked in, and, and to me, that's the sign of a franchise that knew the direction they wanted to go, and they went that direction. There was no wavering. Um, they they made their trade up, trading DJ Moore to the uh, to the Bears, um, and for a franchise that was kind of salty last year, made some noise late, carried some good momentum into the off season. I think it's gigantic in the NFL if you're a bad team to win that last game. Um, from experience, having played a lot of last games that ended in losses, the off season fucking blows <laughs> so for a franchise that's been starved of winning to do that especially the way they did it i believe they won in atlanta on a last second field goal which also happened to give me a win against big jordan burner turner so shout out to panthers for that one they did the right thing with bryce young johnny what do you think yeah i, I completely agree i think i'm i've been higher on bryce young than than you and blaine but i i just think that the the Panthers are the right landing spot. Yes, he's a smaller guy, but he knows how to win. He has that quality that a lot of guys don't have just to be able to just like get a get get a bucket to you know to borrow a, a term there. But um I was in attendance for the draft. It was super cool. Um there were some Panthers fans, oddly enough, around us. Great experience, by the way, night one of the draft. Um so proud that Kansas City was able to put a show on like that but yeah Bryce Young made a lot of sense and I think he goes into Carolina here in a position where the the division's terrible um and Carolina with a desperate owner and David Tepper to actually get some wins on the board I think roster wise now with Bryce Young uh would be my favorite to win that division Yeah I mean I think <clears throat> I know Derek Carr's in that division but we know how he is he stinks. Gosh, he's so annoying. Sorry, Trigger. No, you're fine. He is awful. I hate him so much. And the Saints, honestly, like I said earlier, a couple episodes ago, they're dead to me this year. They're dead. And John Seabag works for him, and they're still dead. The Texans, I think that they they really won the first round, in my opinion, given how poor their franchise has been doing in the last several years, um, trading up to – well, they took, took uh, C.J. Stroud with two and trading up to three uh, to get Will Anderson. I think those are two potentially generational changers of your franchise. I think Will Anderson is, if not the best edge rusher in this draft, I think he's a beast. Um, and I like C.J. Stroud. I personally didn't put a lot into the S2 talk. Um, I did a little bit more research, and I could be a little – I could be wrong on this, but I think I'm pretty right. Only like two teams per division use the S2 test and there's and that stuff and they're scouting something a little bit deeper in that. But I didn't put a lot of, a lot of uh, stock into it because I just saw I watched a lot of Ohio State this year, Johnny, and this kid can play football. I think the Texans, the Texans, I mean, they could be a little decent in the AFC South, maybe. Yeah, I, I think this was a it was definitely a ballsy move. This was the first kind of like wow moment when this happened i think a lot of people the day of the draft some news was kind of circulating that stroud was the pick at two um, but then three with arizona is like where a lot of people were saying that the draft is going to start and i did not think that the texans were going to be the team to come up to this spot to pick back to back what was i saw this after the draft Daniel Jeremiah predicted this, which I think was really cool. He predicted that Houston would select two and three earlier in their, their, their draft coverage that day. So obviously a guy who's super plugged in 
And uh, I think they got two really good players here. Um, I, I, I'm just up in the air, like I said on the previous pod on Stroud. I, I tend to trust your judgment here. I just – I don't know. You know, this this might be a stupid thing of me to say, so please correct me quickly, but, like, who's he going to throw to? Yeah. That's, you know that's what I mean? Weird. Like That's weird you just said that because that I was literally going to say something about that. He comes from a program that has been historically and presently – rich of talent at wide receiver i mean the best wide receiver in college football right now is back at ohio state he was a sophomore last year marvin harrison jr kid's an absolute freak i don't think the texans even have a receiver as good as him i think he'd be the starting wide receiver on houston right like it's if off the top of my head like i think it's you know they, they drafted john mechie out of alabama last year didn't play because he had a uh, form of cancer, which I believe he's on the men from, thankfully. But then yeah. there's, a, you know, they brought in Robert Woods, a.k.a. Bobby Trees. I mean, <laughs> he stinks now. He's old. Uh, Noah Brown from from the Cowboys. Bit, you see what I'm saying? Like, Nico Collins. Okay, I think I got some of these guys right, but, like, this is bad. Dalton Schultz. Cow- yeah. From the Cowboys. Decent tight end. Right, so that'll be a good thing for him. And then protect, protecting his blind side is going to be Laramie Tunsil. So, I mean, that's good. And, and and to add Anderson to that defense, like, okay, there are some pieces here, but but the wide receiving core is nothing to write home about. So um, they they surrendered their first next year to Arizona, and Arizona's going to stink, and maybe Houston stinks. So Arizona might have chessed that move and gotten two really high draft capital picks there for next year, which will remain to be seen. But Definitely an interesting team to look at, Houston, and another bad division in the AFC South. Damian Pierce and D'Amico Ryan's notable there for the Houston Texans as well to help uh, C.J. Stroud. The Colts, man, talking to Reed, Colts correspondent, FI, or Figure It Out podcast. They break the mold, Johnny, of typical Colts moves, and they take a huge swing with Anthony Richardson at four. I think this shocked a lot of people. Um, this really hurt Will Levis in the end, which is kind of funny. Um, we'll talk about that maybe here in a second. But um, you know, I think the Colts, I think the Colts are desperate. I think they're desperate for this home run and they're gonna ride Gardner for as long as they can. I think to start the year, but if it goes poorly with Minshew, it's Richardson time. Um they 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 definitely took a took a home run hack here. And like we've been talking about, and a lot of people, everyone's saying this, so it's not, you know, world-breaking news. Um, he could either be an elite, elite, elite player in this league, or he could be a Jamarcus Russell. So the Colts have taken their chances on that. So it's kind of tough to analyze, Johnny. Yeah, I tend to think he's going to start week one, Chan. I really do. I think wow. that if if he's ready – in training camp, they're going to start him week one. And, and, and we're going to see what Shane Steichen, the, the new Colts head coach, is really made of. And, and here's why I say this. Uh, he was on the staff, I, I believe, offensive coordinator, at least quarterback coach or something like that, uh, in Los Angeles the first year for Justin Herbert. So he was integral uh, in the development of Justin Herbert. Who, Funny story, if you, if you had forgotten uh, to the listeners, uh, Herbert started behind uh, on the bench behind Tyrod Taylor, but was thrust into the game because their trainer punctured his lung. Yeah. Uh, so then Herbert had to come in. But anyways, Steichen was <laughs> in L.A. when Herbert came into the league. And then, of course, Steichen was the offensive coordinator for, for, for Jalen Hurts Eagles. 
um, which obviously had a lot of success. So he's developed Herbert, a guy that there were mixed reviews on. And then Jalen Hurts, obviously mixed reviews on him. Uh, so if Steichen's the guy, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be the perfect uh, person to mentor Anthony Richardson. And if you get the ceiling on Richardson, I mean, <laughs> you're going to get the the size and the arm capabilities of Justin Herbert mixed with the ground uh, the running ability of Jalen Hurts and his decision-making. I mean, the ceiling, this is why the ceiling was so high on Anthony Richardson. Obviously, the floor is probably the lowest, but if anybody can uh, shape him to be the player he can be, I'm going to think it's going to be Steichen, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is at the starting quarterback week one for the Colts is Richardson. The Seattle Seahawks drafted at five, a bit of a shock to me. I thought they were going to go Jalen Carter here. I thought that would be a perfect fit for them. I thought that Pete Carroll would be a guy uh, to really bring in a guy with some character issues on the defensive side of the football because there is a difference. Andy Reid gets a lot of credit, but I think that he is a little bit more mentored to helping an offensive player. Uh, Pete Carroll a little bit more on the defensive side. Uh, they do go defense, though. They go Devin Witherspoon, uh, the highest – and I think he was the highest-rated corner in this draft from Illinois, um, which is which makes sense. I mean, in, in – in, the NFL, you have to be able to defend the pass. But in the NFC, that's where I was kind of like, uh, do they really sling it around over there that much? I don't think they do. And that division, they surely don't. I mean, their biggest competitor is, C is San Francisco. So I thought that they were for sure going to go interior D-line, but they don't. I do think De Devin Witherspoon will be a great corner. Um, but at five, it just seemed a little early for me. It, it was their guy. They went with it. Yeah, this is the part where I will disagree with you a little bit, Chandler. I actually think out of the entire draft, I would have put Jalen Carter as my best player in the draft, and right right there with him would be Devin Witherspoon. I think he is a can't-miss prospect who will go right in next to Tariq Woolen on that defense and just immediate impact player for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, who if I were to give out uh, grades or superlatives, the Seahawks had the best first round. Of course, it's nice to have two picks. But I think they got two plug-and-play starters right now uh, with Devin Witherspoon and then JSN later in the draft. So Witherspoon is an awesome player. I think he's going to set this tone for this defense, which has been lacking that kind of edge that Pete Carroll likes his defenses to play uh, play with and have played in the past. Um, and, and if you were to compare him to Jalen Carter, who a lot of people thought was going to be selected there, Witherspoon just doesn't have the off-field baggage and is a plug-and-play starter. So um, – Great pick by Seattle champ. Really good pick. And I think I think this is why Detroit traded out of the sixth pick because they were hoping to get Weatherspoon at six. And then they saw, okay, we're not going to get him. We'll trade back. And then, of course, we'll get to it now that Arizona came up. Yeah, Arizona goes to the, the sixth pick. It's an obvious rebuild in Arizona. And so I absolutely love this pick. Um, you know you have your quarterback, you know, different opinions on him. But the Cardinals are obviously financially married to him to Kyler for the next four years now. I know he's coming off the ACL, but I, I he'll be back sometime this season. So they got him a bona fide left tackle who can be an absolute stud in this league, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Can't go wrong with offensive linemen, and especially not tackles from Ohio State. Um, thought it was a great pick by the Cardinals. A boring pick at six. I was actually watching the draft with a good friend of mine, Cardinals fan, um, who – uh, you know, he he understood the pick. I think it was one of those picks where you're setting your franchise up where you know you're going to suck this year, 
but get this guy some good experience and let him kind of honestly let him kind of suck because I think that's one of the best ways to learn in the NFL. Obviously, you want him to play as best as he can, but there's going to be growing pains. Great pick by the Cardinals for a franchise that we've all concluded is in hell. Completely agree, Chandler. You, you said that perfectly. Get a cornerstone left tackle who is the best lineman uh, in the draft. Only one year of left tackle play at Ohio State, but also played guard. And I think that's huge. Like, you just got to be a smart football player, right? It's like I, I'm, I'm so big into kids playing multiple sports because you just got to be an athlete. You just got to be able to play all of these sports and to pigeonhole yourself into, well, I only played left tackle my whole life. You know, I have no knowledge of any of these other positions in high school or in you know, other places. I, I think that puts you in a bad position. So great pick by the Cardinals to get Paris Johnson. And they're living their nightmare right now. They, they, they paid all that money for a franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray, who's going to be out for like half of the season. Uh, you got to get a guy to protect him on the blind side. And that's Paris Johnson. I completely agree. The Raiders at seven. Um, no secret here. Their number one objective is to stop Patrick Mahomes. So why not go out and get another uh, elite edge rusher, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. As much as I hate to say it, Johnny, I really like this pick. I think that he could potentially be a younger, more athletic Chandler Jones, um, who we were really high on prior to this prior to this season. Um, he'll line up across from Max Crosby. If Tyree Wilson works out, I think that's a pretty dangerous combo, um, and I think he will. I mean, I think he's a beast. I was high on him in our pre-draft pro- pre-draft pod. Pardon me. Um, good pick by the Raiders. Got to give it to him there at seven. Yeah, it's such a Raiders pick. Like a guy with maybe not the most production in college, but all of the athletic traits that you're looking for. They swung and missed at least last year based off of the production with Chandler Jones. Obviously, not as cool as Chandler Collins, by the way. Um, Chandler Jones just didn't do it for them uh, enough last year, and they're paying him a bunch of money. So they're going to add Tyree to the to the mix there at edge rush. If Tyree Wilson becomes a really good player, that's really going to suck to have to protect from him and Max Crosby uh, two games a year for the Chiefs. But, um, look, I, I don't know how to grade this pick yet because – yeah. He, he looks like a freak. He's huge. Everything that is there. But frankly, he's going to just one of the cursed franchises. He's going to one of those environments where I have no idea how he's going to respond to being third on the depth chart, right? I don't know how he's going to respond to losing games, which I think the Raiders are going to do that a lot this year. So this is just like a question mark for me, obvious upside uh, through the roof, but it's just not a conducive environment for success right now. And they really need defensive backs. Very, very interesting that they went edge rush there. The Falcons at eight, um, kind of a questionable pick, maybe the most questionable in the first, uh, in the first 10, 10 picks. Um, they go B. John Robinson from Texas. It felt like a best available pick out of the top 10 group. Um, because on paper, the Falcons, they had Tyler Algier. So you would think he was like a, over a thousand yard rusher, I think last year. So you'd think they wouldn't use him, but the Falcons DNA, I think in 2023, 24 is going to be running the football and why not have a two headed monster in the backfield with Bijan and a guy who's already done it in Algier. Um, 
I think he catches the ball really well out of the backfield. He was the best running back in this draft by far. Um, maybe not, maybe by far as harsh to Jameer Gibbs because I think he could be good. But Bijan was really, really damn good, really damn good at Texas. Uh, watched a lot of him uh, this past college football season. So Falcons identity, they want to run the football. Arthur Smith, you know, he's wanting to run it. So I, I understand the pick. I don't necessarily think they needed it, but a surplus of running backs, maybe not the worst thing. Yeah, it's just a, a really talented player, but a franchise that just continues to make picks that aren't going to help them. Uh, look at their last three first-round picks. Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. Luxury kind of position picks. Like These aren't places that are going to help the Falcons, in my opinion, compete for that division. You know, maybe they're going to be better than than I think, but I just think that this team absolutely sucks. I do not believe in Desmond Ritter at all. I think that you said in the group text the other day, uh, I think you said that you believe him to be serviceable. And three, four days later, I still don't really know what that means. So, <laughs> like, I just think he's bad. And maybe I just don't know if you, I know this for a fact. You can't do this in football. You can't look grown men in the eyes and say that we're going to tank for the first overall pick. You know, you can't tell a bunch of 25 to 35-year-old men that they're going to go get into 17 straight bar fights and lose with the hopes that a 19 or 20-year-old is going to come fix everything, right? Like, you can't convince them to do that. And so maybe they're trying to get into the play for, for, uh, for, for, for Caleb Williams or Drake May. Is it May or Mays? It's May. Singular. Singular. Queen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, vibes are high. Vibes are high. Finish your thought. You didn't say my name, but okay. But we're good. We can. We, it's You're like fine. a jinx. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess got quinks on the pot. Nice quinks, by the way. <laughs> uh, anyways, the Falcons suck. They might be going for one of these early quarterbacks. I think you – you're in a bad division. They're probably going to win more games than, 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 than they would have to, to get one of those guys. And so this running back pick is just a luxury pick to me. And I really just, I don't think that this was the right move for them. I, I think Jalen Carter would have been a great move for them there, but they didn't do it. I think Desmond Ritter, just give him a second, just one second. I think that's, oh, all here I'm, it is. That's, that's all I meant by serviceable. The Eagles at nine stick to their game plan, obviously going into the drafts. Um, the last two years with Howie Roseman as the GM. Uh, they go Jalen Carter. I think this was a – I guess if you use luxury pick, I guess it's kind of a luxury pick in a way because their D-line is stacked already, but why not stack it more? Um, arguably the best player in the draft by some people, um, but with the character issues, you never know. People have been saying this, so I'm not steal- – I'm not, you know, I'm not coming up with this on my own, but it's a great thing to point out. Um there's a lot of great veterans in that damn locker room and especially on the D line that can help this kid, help this kid learn, help this kid grow as a, not just a football player, but as a man too. I think he's in a great spot for the Eagles. And as much as I like to chirp the Eagles, I don't chirp them as much as Buffalo or Cincinnati, but I do like every once in a while, giving the Eagles a jab. Um, they nailed this pick. I think it's a great pick for them, but they did the same damn thing last year. And if they see the chiefs in the Super Bowl this next year, they're going to lose a get. So uh, good pick for the Eagles on May the 3rd, I think is what it is. Yeah, May the 3rd. They look really good on paper. 
Um, so good pick for them. Yeah, and you might as well just call them. You know, you might as well call Georgia like the the Triple A team for for yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. And 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 fair play to them. It'd be a, it's a great place, great starting point to get to get players. But um, you know, three Georgia defensive players in this draft uh, by the Eagles: Carter, Nolan uh, Smith, and Keely Ringo. Yeah, mix that with last year taking Jordan Davis um, and Nicobe Dean. So this is just like, I mean, like I said, great place to start. Um, I I will say this, though. Howie's getting a lot of praise. I think it's completely justified. I I will say, though, like, I don't expect Jalen Carter to jump right in and be Javon Hargrave, who they lost in free agency to San Francisco. And so it is probably safe to say that the Eagles – while still a fantastic team, like have gotten a little bit worse because you have to add, you know, another year on Brandon Graham, Kelsey, Fletcher Cox. They're, they're a year older. Um, Darius Slay and uh, James Bradbury are a year older. Like, you know, I think the Eagles are the clear best team in the NFC, but like, I don't know. I just don't think that they've gotten everything uh, right uh, in terms of roster construction, super hard to win in this league. We know that as Chiefs fans, and so uh, they're they're at least making good points, uh, taking players from Georgia. But yeah, let's round out the top ten. The Chicago Bears, bit of a surprise here as well. They go Darnell Wright, tackle out of Tennessee. You knew they were going to go O line. Everybody thought Skaronski because of the Northwestern ties, um, but I think they like their guy from Tennessee, Darnell Wright, because. <sighs> I heard this on a competing podcast and it made a lot of sense. I think when you have the same, you have the same grade for a player, you have to have some sort of tiebreaker. And I think the tiebreaker is team and conference and Darnell Wright, better competition in my opinion, in the SEC, obviously, especially going against the D lines, they go against the year Tennessee had. And I think the bears just went ahead and said, F it. Darnell Wright, we're taking you, and we're going to kind of shock the world, and uh, we're going to let Skaronski walk. Um, he looks like a, a super freak athlete. Um, I know our guy, Burner, was fired up about the pick, um, but it, it was just surprising because I didn't see this guy really mention going this high. I think the Bears um, made a little bit of a splash there, and I think I, you, you knew they were going to go online. I think they kind of nailed it, Johnny. Yeah, so an interesting pick here. Uh, this is a guy that many thought would go in the 20s. Um, in fact, I saw some people, you know, maybe suggesting this would be a guy if he did fall into that tw- mid-20s range, the Chiefs could be in consideration to go up and get. I think 10 is maybe a little early for this, but th- th- this could be a very good pick for them. Full disclosure, uh, the Bears fans that I was with, um, close family friends of ours are Bears fans, we're not we're not happy with the pick. Keep in mind the Bears were at nine, traded back to ten, and with the board falling, we we were all very excited for them to get Jalen Carter. I think that the best case scenario would have been that they would have somehow gotten Paris Johnson. I think that would have been a fantastic pick. But to them, this must have been their option number two at offensive line. And um, from what I've seen, this is like going to be their plug and play right tackle. 
from what I've been seeing. So yeah. I, in, in, unless I've seen something else, this is their plug and play right tackle for the future. Could be a very good move. Um, I'm glad they went offensive line. I will just say I was a little stunned when they said that name. And so hopefully Ryan, Ryan Poles, though, keeps cooking with gas, though, because other than uh, trading the first pick in the second round, for Chase Claypool last year and then going 0-7 with him on the roster. Um, other than that, it seems like he's been really doing well at, at, at GM for them. So another question mark. I'll put a question mark like I did with Tyree Wilson on, on that one for the Bears. Yeah, notable, good point here about the right tackle spot. You're right. He is going to be their right tackle. Bears want to run the football, and especially with the quarterback – you run a lot of your stuff off your right tackle, so you got to have a surefire run blocker. Um, and and they they must think that's the guy. Let's wrap up the uh, the league wide draft before we move to the Chiefs talk. Um, I think we're just going to talk about maybe some picks that caught our eyes. Finish out maybe some of the first round stuff. Get into the second, third round if if we want to, but nothing crazy. Um, I'll, I'll start a pick that stood out to me. I think honestly was. Um, I really liked – I liked the Lions pick of Jack Campbell from Iowa um, at 18, and here's why. First off, he is a freak athlete. He's like 6'4", 220 pounds, can run sideline to sideline, and he's just a sure-fire tackler. Um, I think that's a seriously undervalued uh, a role um, in football these days. Everybody worried about having to cover path, cover the pass, um, getting to you know drops as a linebacker, but think of a guy like Nick Bolton, and I'm not comparing these guys either to, to each other really, but maybe I kind of am in a way because Nick Bolton is one of the most sure tacklers in football, and how much do we love this guy? Um, he's an absolute stud football player, and I think that's maybe kind of what the, the the Lions see here in Jack Campbell. I really really like that pick. Um, and especially when you already got Jameer Gibbs five picks or excuse me, six picks earlier at 12, um, you might as well go defense. You might as well go offense defense, kind of like the Texans did. I think it's a great pick. And in a Dan Campbell uh, locker room, I think it's a great guy to bring in. An Iowa guy is going to come in there and grind. He's not going to cause issues. And on a defense that was pretty not good last year, um, it's a great pick, Johnny. Yeah, um, I was skeptical of that pick at first, but I think you just nailed it. The identity of this defense in Detroit absolutely needed a player like that. If you look back to how their season ended last year, uh, there was a game in Carolina that they could have won that would have gotten them into the playoffs where Carolina ran for like 350 yards or something like that uh, on them. So, uh and then in some other games where they got run all over too. And so, yeah, you need that sure tackler uh, on that defense there. I had a couple of spots here. I'll, I'll talk about some picks that um, I didn't like as much first. And then I'll, I'll talk about some ones that I really did like. Um, I'll start with, 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 at, with jets at 15, there was a jets fan who was right behind us. They, they took Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa state Um this defense is nasty for the Jets, but I'm not too sure that that's the player that they needed. It seemed like an overdraft. A lot of people were uh, thinking of, of him to, to the Chiefs at 31, 
or maybe falling into the early part of the second round. And so um, I didn't love that pick by the Jets there. I, I don't know. I think I think like maybe a Christian Gonzalez would have been a great pick there for them. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll just say that one now while I'm, while I'm on it. I thought it was a great pick by the Patriots to take Christian Gonzalez. Couldn't believe he fell to 17, and they sprinted to the podium. I remember I was like, dang, they're picking already. They knew exactly yeah. who they wanted um, at that pick. And then another pick that I wasn't a huge fan of, to be honest, uh, the Dallas Cowboys took Mozzie or Maisie Smith. Now, this guy could be like – a disruptor in the middle for them, right? I believe you were all over that in our, our pre-podcast. But this guy, like, I don't know. This is – I did not know this until earlier today. He had half a sack in three years mm. at Michigan. Mm. Now, maybe not playing a position where sacks are, like, the number one pr- priority. Half, though, I mean, you couldn't get – you couldn't get home against Northwestern a couple more times or something like that. Like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't love that one. And then I'll finish out with this. I thought the Saints got a great pick with Brian Brzee, Breezy, uh, whatever, how you say that, out of Clemson. I think that Brian Brzee, he was marred by some injuries and some health issues, some uh, off the field Mr. stuff, familial stuff. Yeah, some, some terrible staff. stuff there. And when he did play and when he was healthy, he was a beast. Mm-hmm. And earlier in his career, people thought he would have been like a top 15 pick, one of those guys with a true first round uh, grade. I think to get him at 29, uh, 29 for, for the Saints uh, was a great pick. And then, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we talked about, you know, Nolan Smith also going to the Eagles and, and JSN going to uh, Seattle. So, yeah, some head scratchers in there for sure, but some well, good picks as well. I, I got it. I got. I want to talk some shit on some teams too, but I just thought of this in my mind. Brian, call me the breeze. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Skinnerd. How about that, Leonard Skinnerd? Um, I'd like to go back up to thirteen. Pick that really pissed me off. Uh, the Packers take Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be a fine player, and you really can't go wrong with taking defense at the end of the day, but you lose a generational icon in Green Bay. He takes all the receivers with him to New York, and you leave Jordan Love with one Christian Watson who had an up-and-down year, and you expect to see the best result possible out of Jordan Love in this first year of starting how do you not go receiver at 13 and it's not like the Packers haven't heard this noise before like this was the whole thing that they did with Aaron Rodgers like what is their issue with drafting offense in the first round it makes no sense there was plenty of talent as at the wide receiver for the first round do you think that the Packers could have used Quentin Johnston? I sure do. Do I think that the Packers could have used Zay Flowers? You bet I do. Do I think they could have used Jordan Addison? Doggone it, I do. And they didn't take any of these guys. What is the issue with Green Bay, Johnny? What is the issue? Well, I I completely agree. Now, Give them a little bit of credit. They took two big, slow, white tight ends in the, in the next couple of rounds. They, they, they took, 
Yeah, they they took uh, two two tight ends, and I, I just think oh. that Green Green Bay is just a weird fucking team. They are just weird, and and you know, talk about a franchise leaving you wanting. I mean, you just had Rodgers and Favre back to back, and not enough uh, Super Bowls out of that. And so, I I just think it, they're a weird team, Chandler, and they will never take. With this, I don't think they'll ever take a wide receiver in the first round. Like, how could you not? It would have been poetry to take JSN the year Rodgers leaves, and not even then did they do that. Green Bay is mid. Yeah, they, they're just a franchise that's so stagnant and stale and holding on to being, you know, the oldest team or whatever in the league. And, man, it just feels old up there. They're just, like, are behind the times, it feels like. But all right, Johnny. Well, any uh, any final thoughts, or we'll turn it over. Uh, we're gonna have Johnny kind of lead us through the uh, Chiefs talk. Uh, Johnny, you ready to roll? Yeah. What one one final thing I will say. Um, I I am very curious to see how Dalton Kincaid turns out for the Bills. Man, I feel like the Bills again were kind of reaching tight ends in the first round take time, and the Bills. Do not have time. They don't have time. And it's awesome. I mean, I want Buffalo to burn. It's probably already burning. But, oh, you know, burning. for Buffalo to be in that position and then to take Kincaid, you know what that tells me, Chandler, is that they were shocked that the run on wide receiver happened consecutively like that. 20, Jackson Smith and Jigba. 21, Quinton Johnston. 22, Zay Flowers, 23, Jordan Addison. And the Bills were like, oh, shit. We were going to get one of those guys. Who are we going to throw to? Um, Quickly, what were your thoughts on that Kincaid pick? Oh, I think it's a total reach. Um, That's the exact opposite of what they need. I would, If I'm a Bills fan, which I would never want to be, they stink. Um. I would have gone offensive line. I would have tried to make this draft a little boring um, because that's what they need. They can't run the football. They sign these running backs and think that's going to fix it. The running game starts with your front five, okay? It doesn't start with your running back. The Chiefs are the exact example of that. If there's any team the Bills should be trying to copy, it's the Chiefs. Our best running back is from the seventh round. Why? Our offensive line so fucking good. The Bills is not. Josh Allen's their leading rusher. Um, and to take a tight end who can't even aid you in running the football. He's not a blocking tight end at all. Now, I don't necessarily think that you need that part of your offense, Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey is insanely good at just getting in people's way. And from what I've seen on tape, Travis Kelsey is a lot thicker than this Don Kincaid guy. So... It's probably going to sound to the listeners like I'm being as biased as possible, which I don't really give a shit. I hate Buffalo, but it was a reach pick, Johnny. They have Dawson Knox. Like he's Dawson Knox is a good tight end who they just signed to like four years, fifty five million or something like that. And you're gonna bring you're gonna bring in your tight end two in the first round. <laughs> Buffalo stinks. They're they're horrible. They are so. They they cannot get out of their own way, and they're so behind the Chiefs. It's hilarious. 
folks, if you want to see some funny stuff, Chandler uh, was arguing with Bill's Twitter uh, oh. today on his account, and he was destroying them. This is just, it's just a, it's not, it's a bad fit. It's not the right play for them. And I completely agree with everything that you said. You know, Dawson Knox was like an athletic tight end out of Ole Miss, but he didn't catch any touchdowns uh, in, in college. And it took some time to develop him, right? He's a decent, decent tight end in this league, but he's not like putting up crazy numbers. You know, like I just think that that was, that was a bad pick. And like, when you're going to put Kincaid and Knox on the field together, which they will do, you're just showing your hand. I mean, you're not going to be running the ball with both of them on, on the field. And so I just think uh, if you are, you're not going to be doing it successfully. So um, I, I think Buffalo is completely blindsided in the first round for a second year in a row uh, by these, these players being selected from underneath them. And so with that, Chandler, how about we talk about some Chiefs? Yeah. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh we both discussed this on the preview podcast. I believe we talked about it a little bit in the group chat prior to recording that podcast. But I, I had seen some buzz about Felix and UDK Usama um, going to the Chiefs maybe at the end of the first, first round in some mock drafts. And then you and I started discussing that possibility. Then you brought it up on the podcast, which I thought was a great point. And then when we did our picks at the very end, you went with a receiver, and I was so happy because I was kicking myself for, for letting you guys pick before me. I picked basically what happened, and I was drunk at the, uh-huh. at the draft, but I let out a lot of yelling and swearing and LFGs because I was so pumped. It was so cool, man. Like The, the response from the Chiefs fans, too, for taking the local Lee Summit kid – grew up a Chiefs fan, but, but you know, gets drafted to the Chiefs at a position of, of need, and it's going to immediately come in and contribute. Like, in Kansas City was, was so cool, and the fans went nuts, and it's not charity either. Like, this is not the Chiefs being like, oh, we got to take the local kid to please the fans. Uh-uh. 89 pressures, 21 sacks over the last two years. Those numbers don't lie. They're a good offensive lineman in the Big 12. They pass the ball a lot. And so maybe Felix right away um, is utilized as a strictly pass rusher. Great. I think he's going to have a lot of success. And so I think this was a great pick by the Chiefs. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on it too, Chan. And tell us what your dad uh, thought of it too. And for the listeners who don't know, Chandler's dad uh, was a graduate at K-State. Yeah, I, it was. it's an awesome pick. Awesome call by the pod. We were all over it. Um, it, it it's and, and I like your point about Big 12 offensive linemen, Johnny. There were two selected in the first round, right? Freaking um, – who is it here? Uh, they took, it was Anton Harrison. Yeah, Anton uh, Harrison. To Jacksonville. And then, and then think of guys like Wanya Harris, or excuse me, Wanya Morris, who the Chiefs picked in the third right. round. Like he's going against really, really good players. Um, and he was just a catalyst for that K State defense that went on a historic run and played in the Sugar Bowl. Um, it's an awesome story. That picture of him as a kid on the field. And then him on the field as a 31st overall pick of the NFL draft was an awesome photo. How does how do things like that happen? 
like how did he get on the field as a kid you know like it's very rare that people get to do that like how did that well it's like hey kid get off the field and yeah. like some, and you work at a, at a at a university. These groundskeepers don't like you on the grass. No, get off the grass, kid. Yeah, get off. But like, it's just an awesome moment. Especially like you said, he's been from Lee's Summit, um, huge Chiefs area. It's an awesome pick, and it fills an exact need, dude. Like he's going to be coming off the edge with Chris Jones on the inside. Uh, Ominhu maybe on the inside, and maybe even Carlotis on the inside a couple times. Maybe you line them up each on the same side and just flat get after that side of the offensive line. I think Spagnolo is going to be able to really move him around and figure it out. Pod's favorite, Joe Cullen. Uh, it should be an awesome, an awesome pick on paper, Johnny. Yeah, to me, it would be very difficult for this pick to fail, and I think a failure on this pick would be if he turns out to be I, I, I don't know like um a Josh Kando which I don't know who that is but oh, I do. Uh, or a Tano Passigno but Tano was a lot heavier and taller than than Felix like I think Felix uh is just going to be a really damn good player like m- maybe he won't be a hall of famer but he's just going to be a, a a really good player what do you got and I don't want to talk shit on the FCS but I think I think K-Pad came from Villanova. Oh, yeah. So, Yuck. like, I love FCS football, but come on. Big 12 football, 31st overall pick. That's blood flow. Blood flow. Yeah, definitely. So, um, awesome pick there by the Chiefs. Offensive lines are going to be, you know, feeling whiplash from all the different lineups and formations that this defensive line's going to have. And that just frees up Chris Jones a lot more, and he's just – so sick and so i will move on to the second round and if you looked at the draft pre-draft and and you maybe had to define three areas of need for the chiefs need is the chiefs don't really need anything uh but if there were three areas to improve that were the most obvious i think that you would say edge uh wide receiver and offensive line and they checked the first box in the first round Second box gets checked in the second round. They take Rasheed Rice out of SMU. They trade up with Minnesota uh, to do so and take him uh, with the 24th pick in the second round, pick number 55. Chandler, freak athlete, 41-inch vertical, highest vertical in the draft. And uh, something that didn't really come out news-wise until after the draft is that Rice trained with Mahomes uh, down in Texas. Some other first-rounders were, uh, were trading with Mahomes earlier or on later dates. Uh, Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnston were there. Obviously, like I said, first-round picks. Didn't find out about Rasheed Rice until after, and obviously the reason uh, is because the Chiefs didn't want anybody to know how much they liked this guy. I think that he is going to be – and you know what? I'll probably come off as a Chiefs homer. I don't give a fuck. The Chiefs are awesome, and I'm going to be happy about what they do and trust the process and trust the results of Brett Beach and his staff. There were so many years of being miserable, and honestly, me coming on this podcast and saying – well, I don't know. Rasheed Rice might have been a bit of a reach. I don't really want to fucking do that, okay? I love the Chiefs, and Rasheed Rice is going to be the next D-hop, okay? You hear me? He's a freak athlete. He wins down the field, plays bigger than he is, maybe doesn't have the initial breakaway speed um, off, or I guess the, the speed off the line that a lot of the speedsters they usually have uh, possess, but he plays faster than he tests. 
and, and the numbers are, are still really good for him there. He put up huge receiving numbers and rece- reception numbers for SMU, and he brings a skill set to this offense that they haven't really had in a long time. I mean, he's just going to go up and win the damn football, Chandler. Like, it doesn't have to be a perfectly schemed play. It doesn't have to be a wide-open receiver. You can just throw a 50-50, and it becomes like a 55-45 scenario because he wins most of the time. And so I think Mahomes loves playing with this guy. Uh, I think it's going to be so fun to watch. Do I think he's going to light it up for 1,000 yards this year? Um, I'm going to say no, but if he does – I get to retroactively say I called it. Uh, but I'm super pumped for this guy. And this Chiefs wide receiving core is so young. You know, you look at guys like Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Toney, um, Justin Ross, if he makes it. MBS isn't old, but if you take him out, like all those guys are under 24 years old, I think. So, you know, I want to get your take on this, but we'll, we'll get into this more. The Chiefs are just so young. And okay, this is going to sound weird. They're young and they have depth. Yeah, there we go. What do you think about Rice? Well, yeah. Well, before we get into Rice, that was my whole thing about not wanting Odell and not really wanting DeAndre. I wanted DeAndre more than Odell, but at the end of the day, I'm not upset that we didn't get either one because youth is so important. So be youthful at a position where you work hand in hand with God. <laughs> So I think it's a great pick, Johnny. Two things I want to mention about Rasheed Rice. First off being second-team All-American from a group of six school. I think that's a huge career accomplishment. You mentioned the numbers he put up. But think about the guys that could have been a second-team All-American from Oklahoma, from Ohio State, from all these big-time wide receiver factories, LSU. Like, it's a huge accomplishment to be any sort of All-American But to be at a position that's so talent-rich and to be selected as a second-teamer from a group of six school in SMU, I think that speaks a huge amount to this kid's character and his ability. And the second thing I want to mention is his physicality. I think he's a physical-ass football player. And you can teach guys specifics. You can teach them routes. You can teach them footwork. You can teach them – how to go get the ball. Mahomes can tell him how to run this route, yada, yada, yada. But the one thing that you really can't teach in the game of football, you either have it or you don't, is physicality. And especially at the wide receiver position. This is not a knock on on any wide receiver. Obviously, an incredibly important part of football. But they're not known for being the most physical guys. When you can combine athleticism and wide receiver ability with the physicality and the mindset that I'm going to run someone's ass over like a running back or a tight end, you can't coach that, Johnny. And he has it. And so he's going to provide some toughness in that wide receiver room, which, if we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, is a little prone to finesseness, if you will. You can, nice change, you can change that mindset with one guy. And I think the Chiefs murdered this picket, too. It's their guy. Let's keep going. It doesn't get worse. It only gets better. And especially as the rounds, these value picks are so sick, Johnny. Keep going, please. (laughs) Yeah, they just find their guys. 
and it doesn't matter the team, they go up and get these guys, Chandler. And so, yeah, you, you nailed it. Well, I wanted to say one more thing there. Did you see a bunch of people talking about how when he's when he gets the football, he turns like into a running back? Yeah. I think that puts your point in perfectly. He is a punishing runner of the football. And another player on the Chiefs that I did not expect that from but saw last year is Kadarius. Yeah. Kadarius is a punishing runner. And say what you want about him, McCole ran pretty hard too. You know, it's the days of Demarcus and LaShawn McCoy, like running with, you know, away from people with the balls palmed and stuck out. Those are distant memories now. The Chiefs just have dogs on this team. And into the third round, I think they got another really good player. It's Wanya Morris, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Started his career at Tennessee with Trey Smith and then transferred over to Oklahoma. Honestly, I didn't really see why, but, I mean, maybe NIL. and He got some Skrilla to go over there <laughs> and uh, play for the Sooners. And so, uh, good for him. A uh, guy that's going to be shuffling into the mix for the right tackle position. Hyper-athletic. Um, and, and a point that I wanted to make here is that they traded up for Wanya Morris with the Bengals, right? And so, a bunch of people were telling me before the draft, like, you, people don't trade in their division or they don't trade with their rivals. Bullshit. Talk about your division. The Vikings and Lions traded a first-round pick last year and traded Hawkinson. Yeah. You know, uh, the Chiefs traded with the Baltimore Ravens to get Orlando Brown. They yeah. traded with the Bengals to move up in the third round. Like, those days are gone. If it makes sense, it makes sense. And this made sense for, for both sides. And the Chiefs go get another position of, air quote, need – uh, in Wanya Morris. And now there was some news today that we'll get into later. Might be more of a developmental phase uh, for Wanya Morris going forward, but he's going to a great, a, a fantastic uh, situation in Kansas City. Obviously, Andy Reid started off as an offensive line coach. He's a big boy. He knows how to coach him up uh, on the offensive line. But Andy Heck, the offensive line coach, is a heck of an offensive line coach, Chandler. Uh, so Wanya is going to a great spot where he can work out the kinks, become more of a cerebral football player, um, and use his athleticism to his advantage. Oh, and by the way, I think we'll be seeing some frequent trips to one Arrowhead Drive from a Kansas City resident, Mitchell Schwartz, who had a pretty good career for the Chiefs, too. Wanya Morris is going into the perfect situation in Kansas City. Your thoughts? Yeah, social media, O-line social media, which is a great follow on Twitter. If you can find a, an O-lineman um, that provides updates and, and analysis on that position on Twitter, I highly recommend you follow them. Um, the Schwartz brothers being one of them. Um, I love what you said about developmental um, with, a, with a chance to win the job, in my opinion. I don't think that Chiefs Kingdom or the listeners of this podcast should undervalue the uh, importance of the relationship that Trey Smith and Wanya Morris had. Um, when you're playing right next to somebody, you know them better. And when you're best friends outside of the locker room, you're going to know that person even deeper than just X's and O's. It plays a huge factor. You're having a bad game. That guy knows how to get you going, et cetera, et cetera. And I, that's why I think that, yes, I agree with the developmental stage, but I think that this guy has a chance to be the day one right tackle, Johnny. I really do. He comes in and has a good camp. There's no reason why he can't be our right tackle because 
right now it is a question mark as I know, I know we like to joke that we don't have needs, um, but it, it kind of is a need right now. We need a right tackle. We got to figure it out. And what a pick by the chiefs again, God. Four picks on day three, Chandler. I'll rattle them off real quick. And if you have any thoughts on these guys, let me know. But the Chiefs usually make some pretty good selections on the final day of the draft. Um, some quick ones that come to mind. Legereus Sneed in the fourth round. Trey Smith in the sixth. Isaiah Pacheco and Jalen Watson in the seventh round. Um, some good players can come from day three. And the Chiefs, I think, got some good players. Uh, first of all, in the fourth round, they uh, traded up again to get defensive back uh, Chamari Connor um, out of Virginia Tech, if I if I already said that again, sorry, but hyper-athletic kind of a player might be used for blitzing for them. Uh, then they, in the fifth round, went with B.J. Thompson uh, out of Stephen F. Austin, 6'6", 240, tall, athletic, lanky edge, but definitely needs to put on some weight. So hopefully they get him into the kitchen uh, and get some food in him so he can – I mean, if he puts on, like, 20, 25 good pounds. This guy could be an absolute freak. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on B.J. Thompson. Round six, Keandre Coburn, defensive tackle out of Texas. A lot of good buzz around this pick from some people that I trust on Twitter. Um, a space eater that should be able to get some favorable matchups for Chris Jones if he does his job in there. I mean, he can't do any worse than Derek Nottie. He stinks. But uh, I'm looking forward to Keandre Coburn uh, for the Chiefs. And then finally in the seventh round, uh, Nick Jones, a cornerback out of Ball State. Um, no idea what that could be, but if you're basing off of last year, like I said earlier, uh, Jalen Watson was a seventh-round pick, and he started in the Super Bowl. So, uh, Chandler, your thoughts on the day three selections for the Chiefs? Yeah, I'll start with Keandre Coburn. I think that's a great pick, another interior D lineman. I don't think you can have enough of them, and if anything, it just raises the level of competition that we have to have in training camp to be, um, you know, to be the uh, Super Bowl favorite. Um and and I really like I really like his ability to stop the run. That's kind of why I like that Mizey Smith or whatever that went to the Cowboys. I think they're, you know, you got to look around the league at teams that are being dominated in their own division. The Raiders go edge rusher to try to stop Mahomes and Herbert, and even if you want to say Russell Wilson, I think maybe the Mizey Smith pick was to literally try to stop Philadelphia from running. Um, it makes sense. I think this is a good pick for the Chiefs. Um, we saw last year that when the Chiefs were able to stop teams from running, that it really helped them in the pass game, in my opinion. Think of the Bengals' AFC Championship game. They didn't run the ball very well, and they really didn't pass the ball that well either, in my opinion. I mean, Burrow had two crucial mistakes that led to their demise in that game, which was amazing to watch. Um, but outside of that, Johnny, I just think that these picks were kind of like rich people picks. I think they just picked guys they wanted to pick, don't you? I completely agree with that because they had 10, 10 selections, I believe, um, and they didn't need 10 players. And so for the Chiefs to be able to identify, like I said earlier, you know, they watch these guys all year long. And so for the Chiefs and Brett Veach and his staff to scout, identify – uh, players that they like, it put them in a position to be able to trade up uh, to get players that, that they want. And so I, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about th this kind of scenario. One of the people on the podcast, uh, which will name, uh, which will remain nameless, of course, uh, was arguing that the Chiefs should have taken maybe a couple more players 
because if they miss on some of these guys, they didn't they didn't add enough bodies. And I just completely completely disagree with that. Go get the guys that you want that you've been studying film on for a year plus. And if they're there, go get them. And the Chiefs did that, and I couldn't be more thrilled with some of these guys. If I had to pick one player out of those four um, on day three that I'm really looking forward to watching, it's going to be that B.J. Thompson of Stephen F. Austin. I think like his ceiling it could be really high. And the floor could be like this guy never sees the field. Like this guy could be in the XFL in a couple of years. And so I just think he's going to be a very, very interesting player to watch. A player that I heard the Chiefs have been watching for like three years. He started at Baylor and then went to Stephen F. Austin. And so super excited about that. And, um, you know, in my humble opinion, uh, every player the Chiefs pick is sick. And so I think I'm, I'm so excited for these guys to come to Kansas City. Chandler, any final thoughts on those draft picks before we wrap it up with some news? For, um, for some grades, you know, take what you will with grades or whatever, but I had seen some that the Chiefs were like a B plus. And frankly, with the way the media is with this team and how much they don't want the Chiefs to win, um, I thought that was notable. Um, a B plus is a pretty damn good draft grade, in my opinion. And – I'll take that. You give the Super Bowl champions a B plus in the draft. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man. It's Super Bowl fifty eight is literally we're we're gonna be in it. We're gonna be in it. Where is it? Do you know? I don't know. Houston? Texas? Uh no, it's Vegas. I think oh. 24, 24 is Vegas. Or maybe that's the draft. Ah, I don't if know. It is Where... Vegas. That's basically Arrowhead West. It's Vegas um, or Houston are my guesses, I think. Are you looking it up? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, I don't know. Not good radio, but I'm trying to figure it out. That's all right. Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada. Yeah. Good call. Vegas. Well, I, I got it on my second try. I went Houston first, but you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, actually. The the draft next year, you said the you might be the draft. The draft is in Detroit. <laughs> Ew. I, isn't that gross? Detroit. Yeah, I know. It's, that stings. I do, okay, I would not want to go to the draft in Detroit. Let's hit some news here. Um, yeah. Oh no, real quick, one thing. My final draft thing in, in current state of the roster. Um, the Chiefs are going into the to this offseason, which they're still going to add some players. But if you look at some of these positions, there's going to be some amazing training camp battles, Chandler. There are 11 wide receivers on the roster. I think if you count Jerrion Ely, who's also a running back, it might be 12. But there's like a dozen guys competing for six, maybe seven, if they keep an extra receiver, active roster draft positions. The training camp battles are going to be insane. There are 12 offensive linemen on this roster competing for these spots, 15 defensive linemen, and six tight ends. Like, there are people competing for a freaking job. Like, they, oh. they, need to, they, they need this job. And so these people are going to be going to practice every single day with no guarantee, busting their ass, and it's just going to be good for this roster. Andy Reid, of course, loves – a training camp battle. Let's start with this this news channel. This came out just a few hours ago, but 
The Chiefs have signed left tackle Donovan Smith, uh, formerly of Tampa Bay, to a one-year uh, up to $9 million contract. Uh, this, to me, Chandler says he's going to be the starting left tackle, and it's going to kick Jawan Taylor over to the right side, which is why I suggested that Wanya Morris and Lucas Niang are really just competing for a backup spot. Here's why I see no scenario where uh, Taylor is the left tackle and why it's going to be Smith. Uh, Donovan Smith has 124 left tackle starts over the last eight years. He's 29. He is coming off of his worst season, but Tampa was terrible and Brady was a statue, right? So he's 29 years old, Super Bowl champion, blocked for Brady. He has 8,473 left tackle snaps and zero right tackle snaps. Compare that to Juwan Taylor. He has 18 left tackle snaps and 4,282 right tackle snaps. Let's not overthink this. The Chiefs offensive line is going to go left to right. Donovan Smith, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Jawan Taylor. That is a sick offensive line. Chandler, your thoughts on this move? Uh, honestly, Johnny, you actually broke the news to me because I, like I mentioned in the in the beginning of the podcast, we were playing. Uh, I was playing pickleball, so I did not see it until uh, Johnny texted it in the group and then brought it back up um, in the pre-show. Uh, yeah, sign me right up for that. I mean, you don't get a Super Bowl champion left tackle very often, and all of a sudden here he is at twenty nine on a one year deal. Like, if there's anybody that can just come back and and show out, it's going to be a guy like this. He's going to get in there. He's going to grind with the team. Two veterans on the left side, two Super Bowl champions on the left side. Um, Oh, it's just perfect, Johnny. I mean, there's I don't I don't know. There's any negativity to the to the Donovan Smith pick, and keep Jawan Taylor at the right tackle. I mean, that is it's chess. It's Wizards chess. It's so cool. Yeah. And I, it just goes back to the thought that we always talk about. And it, this is actually, it's, this is fact. Um, all that matters, and the Chiefs realized this after they lost to Tampa in the Super Bowl, all that matters is that 15 is healthy in January and you're, and you're going to have a better chance at the Super Bowl than any other team. And to – to, to see what they've done at the offensive line position since that Super Bowl loss to Tampa where Mahomes basically got hit with a baseball bat a hundred times. Um, just it furthers that point. The Chiefs love offensive linemen and they want to protect 15. And that's what they did here. You mentioned the word negative. Let's get to like two negative headlines and then finish on a positive note. Yep. First one, Chiefs decline the fifth-year option on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This will make him a free agent next year. I, I, I think that we've seen this coming from a mile away. If, if you're not a good first-round pick, you're not getting your fifth-year option picked up. And Clyde just really has not been a very good player for the Chiefs. Although if he isn't a limited ro- a limited role for the Chiefs, m- might be able to bring something to the table. But I don't know, Chandler. I tend to think he's the worst player on the team. Yeah, I'm not putting a lot of stock into that. I honestly declared May 2nd a holiday, the day that the Chiefs didn't pick up Clyde Edwards-Alaire's uh, fifth-year option. 
I mean, I hate to talk bad about the guy because like he has had some good moments in Kansas City, but he's just not good enough. This that's the thing about being this good is that like guys that you like you kind of like weirdly in your inside you feel bad for. It just doesn't matter. Like you're gone. Like it's a business. It's just we don't have time. This isn't college. Like we can't wait for you to get better. Um, and so it, it's. I am a bit. I'm a bit worried that he plays like ridiculous this year. <laughs> like just goes off, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, are we gonna, are we gonna, re- are we gonna resign him? But I don't think that's the case. I don't think either way. Uh, the Chiefs bring him back, but it—I mean, it's out there. That potential's out there, and and honestly, hell, go and ball out, Clyde. For all I care, be the best you've ever been for our team because you're not coming back. Zero chance he's coming back. This is the last year. Great, hope he balls out. That'll be good for the Chiefs, and then he can go play for the Browns or something. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. All right, we'll talk about this, even though maybe not for very long. The, if there is one negative thing about Patrick Mahomes, it's completely out of his control. His dumb fuck brother, uh, Jackson, got arrested for um, suspicion of aggravated sexual battery. There's a video that stemmed from him just, like, fucking around with some chick bar owner. Um, the craziest thing to me that it was that he was messing around with a chick in the first place um, and not a dude. Uh, But anyways, this guy is the worst thing about Patrick Mahomes. And shoot, Mahomes is probably happy, Chandler, that he's, you know, being – I'm being facetious, but, like, maybe him going to jail just gets him out of the picture for a little while because people that I talked to before last season, people in the know in Kansas City, uh, said that Mahomes, after all the bullshit – uh, with Mahon- with uh, Jackson last offseason about him being disrespectful to a, uh, a restaurant and, and a bar owner, not not this scenario. The talk was that Mahomes got him like an apartment. I keep saying Mahomes. They have the same last name. Patrick got Jackson an apartment out in L.A. You didn't see much from Jackson throughout the entire season, although as soon as they won the Super Bowl, Jackson did a TikTok on the Super Bowl field. This guy is just it, dude, this guy is human scum, Chandler. And look, maybe it's not fair to judge somebody just off of like their social media presence or hearsay. In this scenario, it's completely fair. Everything's negative. Everything is embarrassing. And it gets even worse with him getting arrested. Do you have any thoughts on this dumb piece of shit? No, he's just a freaking idiot, dude. Like, why don't you just live in L.A. and do your own damn thing? Your brother is literally buying you. It's probably, I, I guarantee you it's a sick-ass place in one of the biggest cities in the world. Why don't you just go out and just be, like, just lose the social media. Lose doing this dumb shit and thinking you're invincible. That's his issue. He thinks he's invincible. So, you know, sometimes people have to hit rock bottom to realize what the hell am I doing. That's all I've got to say about it, Johnny, really. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, really. I mean, he he's just, like, say, people love to talk shit about Britney, and she's had her moments, too. And look at us. Become, this is like an entertainment podcast now. Um, she's at least, like, you know, she's a mother now, and so I feel like she's kind of taken those mistakes and and, and has grown from them and, and invested into the Kansas City area. And doing some good things with the Mahomes name on her back. 
And like you said, on the flip side, it's just all negativity from Jackson. Like it, it has nothing. It's it's just it's it does nothing for anybody, and it just gives the world something to hold against Patrick Mahomes. In my opinion, it's really what it is. Yep, completely agree. He Patrick doesn't really give a fuck though. Like he Jackson is like he knows Jackson's a dumb shit. So yeah. I don't think, it, but it does give people like Barstool or something something negative because if you remove Jackson. There is literally nothing negative to say about Patrick. I think the worst thing you can say about Patrick is that he puts ketchup on steak. I'm being serious. Yeah. Like, that is maybe the biggest detractor of Patrick other than his dumb fuck brother. And let's turn this positive. While on the subject of Mahomes, Brittany has been looking nice lately. Ah, Shout dude. out, Brittany. Sup. Yeah. yeah post um, pregnant. Post. I thought she was hot. Uh, prior prior to being pregnant, but post pregnant, Brittany. Whew. Shout out, Pat. I'll, I'll have the chicken breast hold the chicken. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean, brother. Final thing here, and then we'll get out of here, Chandler. Chiefs bring back a locker room catalyst, a favorite in the locker room. The Chiefs are bringing back running back Jarek McKinnon. I think everyone knew this was going to happen, but the Chiefs are just going to let the draft play out a little bit. Everybody, it is hard to com- to find a comparable scenario for a Chiefs player that has been signed or a player that has signed elsewhere if you were to compare the response on social media from his teammates. Countless teammates commenting on the Chiefs' Instagram post, countless teammates putting up stories. Excite- I mean, like, just off the top of my head, I watched Jarek's story the other day, Kadarius, Sky Moore, Travis, Patrick, like Pacheco, Clyde, like all of these guys are thrilled to have him uh, officially back on the Chiefs. I'm thrilled to have him back on the Chiefs. This is why the Chiefs are so good, Chandler, is because their running back room is going to be mainly comprised of a seventh rounder, Isaiah Pacheco, and Jarek McKinnon, a crafty veteran player who can pass protect, which you astutely pointed out last year. He didn't give a fuck who's coming after Mahomes. He's laying the wood on this dude. And this is why I said the Chiefs are so good, is because when shitty teams like the Falcons are taking a running back at eight, the Chiefs are bringing back these kind of guys and declining the fifth-year option on mistakes that they made in the past. I'm super pumped for McKinnon Chandler, and hopefully you feel the same way. Yeah, bro. Uh, lifetime contract for Jarek. I mean, I was I was actually watching the Super Bowl highlights the other day. I do that from time to time because it's just so fun to watch. Um, a lot easier to watch the highlights than it was the actual game. But the slide down at the one is like the best slide down in the history of football. <laughs> like the magnitude of the moment, seeing the end zone in the Super Bowl with your own two eyes with the ball in your hands does not come around in a football player's life very often. And especially for a career journeyman like Jarek McKinnon, who has never, you know, been the number one option on a team, always grinding, always fighting special teams reps, which I think he even still gets on the chiefs now. Um, To see the end zone and to slide down with the astuteness which also great word, Johnny. It's two different sentences we both use astute, but it really Dope was. Word. 
the time on the clock, the astuteness to slide down to seal the victory is cemented in my brain forever. And Jarek McKinnon means so much to this team, as you pointed out already. Um, and he means a lot to us as fans. I couldn't root more for a guy like that. Talk about a selfless, selfless uh, a player. Um, he's awesome, man. He defines, he, in my opinion, he defines what being a Chiefs is. And Chandler, it's a guy, I'll, this will be my last thing, and you can close us out. Um, th- this is why he gets that response from his teammates. This is why he doesn't have to worry about being that 30-year-old running back begging to get like a camp invite from a team. This guy had nine touchdowns last year, and he, in the biggest moment, like you said, put the team over himself. And that's not easy for a guy like Jarek, who's had three major surgeries. Like, this guy's had two and a half, three years of football taken from him and it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That made me kind of emotional. I think I'm just a dad. But, God, I love the Chiefs. I love football. And there's just something amazing about – there's something amazing about team. And the Chiefs yeah. team, they're so selfless. And it starts at the top, right, with the hunts, makes its way down to Brett Beach and Andy Reid. And there couldn't be a better face of a team – in terms of selflessness than Patrick Mahomes. And I would put Jarek McKinnon right there with Patrick of on the Mount Rushmore of current chiefs that I absolutely love that there is probably if you, other than Patrick. Yeah. Other than Patrick, if I had to pick one player to represent the Kansas city chiefs right now, it wouldn't be Travis. It would, it would be, it would be Jarek. If Travis was on another team, I would fucking hate Travis. Anyways, go Jarek. Yeah, really well said, Johnny. Um, awesome show. Awesome, awesome post-draft show. Um, probably the last football one we'll have for, for a while, I'd say, which is kind of sad to say, but a good good break for the boys. Back this summer-ish, which really isn't that far away, actually. Back this summer, one episode a week, we'll do each division one week as as the summer goes along. That was so fun last uh, last summer, so we'll, we'll definitely be back doing that. Johnny, I appreciate your time. Um, as always, and go Chiefs, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Go Chiefs!